Praise God. Welcome, Calvary. We are, I'm excited uh, to have this opportunity uh, to be standing in front of you again and speaking. Um, always, a, always an exciting time for me to be able to share, uh, other than my cleaning gifts, uh, uh, the Word of God, uh, which is where my passion is. So, praise God. Um, I appreciate Pastor Otis giving me this opportunity, and uh, I know what it means to let someone crawl into your pulpit. <laughs> it's kind of a personal thing for a pastor to have someone else in their pulpit. But uh, let's pray, and uh, let's, uh, let's just give this to the Lord. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to come before you in your presence this morning. Your presence is so good. And Lord, we thank you that we have the word of God that we can read that we can glean life lessons and applications from, and that you can guide us through this life with your Holy Spirit and your word. Lord, we, we thank you for these things. I pray this morning you would speak to our hearts, and that it would be all of you and none of me, and that you would speak through me this morning. We give this morning to you. I want you to repeat this after me. Dear Jesus, speak to my heart. Change my life. In your name, amen. Amen. If you meant that prayer, I hope that happens and your ears are open to hear what the Lord has to say this morning. I need two volunteers. Two volunteers. Who's willing to come up here and help me out? You want to come up here and help me out? Who else? I need one more. One more. One more, Scott. We'll have you come up here. I need, need you to take this and shake it. Okay. Shake it up. Just shake it up. Shake it up real good. Make it real tumultuous in there. Just give it a good science is cool. We're going <laughs> to... explode. No, not going to explode. All right. You feel like it's shooking good? Think yep. it's all mixed up? Yep. All right. Excellent. We'll just put that right back there. And I'm not even going to talk about it. We're just going to wait. Ooh. Makes you want to stick around. That's what it does. Like, what's going to happen? Amen. Today, it's, I'm going to continue the message, the blessing of Pentecost. But I'm going to also say filled with purpose. The blessing of Pentecost filled with purpose. There was ever a group of people that you would think is ready to go and take the world for Jesus. It was probably the disciples, right? When you think of witness, you probably think the disciples, man, they got it. They're on it. Anyone, any group of people was ready for this great call to go and make disciples, you would think it was the disciples. Surely these guys are ready. I mean, they were with Jesus for three years. Three years, they saw firsthand all the miracles, signs, wonders. John even said at the end of John, the Gospel of John, that if they wrote all the things down that Jesus did, there wouldn't be enough books to contain it. So they saw way more than what we've read in the Gospels, clearly, according to John. 
They saw Jesus walk on water, and one of them actually joined him to stroll on the water. They saw Jesus heal multitudes of people. They were there when Jesus calmed the storm, and they all asked, what manner of man is this? Who is this guy? Three of them saw him in his glory on the Mount of Transfiguration, right? They were a part of feeding the, the crowds, the 5,000 and the 4,000. They were there breaking the, taking the bread from Jesus and watching it just keep going. They were a part of that. They saw the dead raised and even bore witness of Jesus raising himself. I mean, all these things. This is, I mean, eyewitness accounts. I mean, if anybody's ready to, like, give a witness, it was these guys. They saw more than any one of us. Not only that, but they were taught the word of God by the word himself. Now, if there was a Bible college that said, Jesus is our professor, there'd be people going, oh, I think I'll sign up for that. That should be a good class. Because I'm pretty sure that when we get to heaven... God's going to reveal stuff to us, and we're going to be going, we were way off. We did not understand that at all. <clears throat> we think we know a lot of stuff, and we got scholars and all that stuff, and we think we understand it, and we probably have a good, we understand the basics, but there's probably things that we've read, and the reality is we don't understand it. God's going, you guys are way off, but oh well. You'll, you'll learn it when you get here. But these guys, they were taught the word of God by God himself. I mean, what better people to share the gospel than the ones taught by Jesus? They even got to do firsthand stuff themselves. Jesus sent them out, right? Hey, go heal the sick, cast out demons, tell people the kingdom of God is near. All righty. Firsthand experience under the supervision of Jesus so if anyone is ready to take the gospel to the world, to take the world by storm for Jesus, you think it was these guys. But when Jesus was with them, he did tell them to go, but before you go, he told them to wait. He didn't say, all right, go, right away. He said, I need you to wait. Because they weren't ready. Those guys weren't ready. How much more are we not ready? They were still lacking. Which brings me to Acts 1. And if you have your Bibles and things, maybe I should have started with that. Now you're going to have to do the whole sword thing. Got it. Acts 1 is where Jesus is talking to his disciples and this is a very familiar passage, Acts 1, verse 8. It says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. What's interesting about that passage is this is the passage that sets up all the book of Acts. Jesus was letting them know what's about to happen. You're going to receive power to be my witnesses. It's going to happen in Jerusalem. 
persecution is going to happen. You're going to get scattered to Judea and Samaria. Persecution is going to continue, and it's going to scatter you. And that's what, how Acts progresses. It starts in Jerusalem, goes to Judea, Samaria, and then goes to the ends of the earth. This is Jesus setting up what's going to happen in the book of Acts. But as Pentecostals, we like to focus on power, right? For some, I don't even know if they read the rest of the verse. They just go, you will receive power. And they go, power, yeah! Power! They don't even hear the rest of the verse. They stop right there. They go, power, let's go to Acts 2. Let's let's, let's read about it. And power is good when applied to purpose. Power is good when applied to something. Like, if I have a power tool, like a drill, it's good to drill things in. It's way better than a hand screwdriver. I'd rather use a power tool. It makes it a little easier. As assemblies of God, sometimes we focus so much on tongues, the baptism's only spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues, that we forget the purpose of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The purpose is not so you can speak in tongues. That's a great benefit and an evidence, but that's not the purpose. The purpose is so you can be a witness. The purpose is to receive power so people can be pointed to Jesus. There's power with a purpose. He just didn't send a bunch of crazy people with power out there. He has purpose behind the power. Paul talks about this. It's not a verse that I had down, but in Thessalonians, he said, For when we brought you the good news, it was not only with words, but also with power. For the Holy Spirit gave you full assurance that what we said was true. See, even Paul said, I didn't come with just the word. I came with word and power. We need both. The Holy Spirit helps us to do that. You want to be a witness for Jesus, you need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. That's the purpose of the Holy Spirit, is to point people to Jesus. And we need him active in our lives to help us do that. We need him so that we can be an effective witness. We need the Holy Spirit in our lives. We need not just to have him inside us. We need him all over us. Amen? We need to be drenched in the Holy Spirit, especially for the dying world that we live in. If the disciples weren't ready, then you aren't ready either until you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So how does that work? How does this help? I got three things that we'll run through. The Holy Spirit's power does the supernatural. I'm not going to go through gifts and all that stuff, but what I do want to show you out of the books of, book of Acts is how the supernatural events set the stage for the Word. The power of the Holy Spirit does the supernatural, but it's not just so we can do cool things and see cool stuff. It's to set the stage so people can receive the gospel. Let's start in Acts 2, 1 through 11. 
says, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as the fire appeared to them and restored each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues, and the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven, and at the sound of the multitude came together, and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his, in his own native language? And then it goes through a big list of names that I can't pronounce. So I'm going to skip that. Just let you know. I'm not even going to try. But what they do say is this. We hear them, in verse 11, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. Now, the list is important. Go ahead and read it because it tells you how many nations are gathered there. They're from all over the place. I mean, as far as Rome, and they're from every place. And they're like, how is it that these people are speaking our native tongue? So how does the supernatural help us to be a witness? Like I said, the supernatural sets that stage in people's lives so, they can be, so that we can speak to them, just like in Acts 2. Can you imagine? Let's just break this down a little bit. Let's, let's put it down out of uh, Bible terms and just our tongue. Can you imagine? You're sitting there. Jesus told you to wait. You've been there for many days waiting for something you know not of. You have no idea what to expect. All you know is it's something with power from on high. You don't know what that's going to look like. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know. You're just waiting. And then suddenly there's a big noise. And then you see these things that look like tongues that are on fire. Ever have a mental picture of this? This has got to have been a little freaky. I mean, it would have been like, what's going on? And it starts resting on each person and as it's resting on people they start speaking a language they don't understand they have no idea what they're saying but there's somebody outside going i wonder how he knows my language and they're hearing the things of god being proclaimed in their native language everyone's going to hear it this is a supernatural event that's taking place It'd be, the only example I could have is if some, somebody was here and someone that knew Mandarin was over there and they started speaking in tongues and it was Mandarin and this guy over here is going, I understand what he's saying. That's what's happening here. The tongues that they received was not the heavenly tongues. It was an actual language. They just didn't know it. But this set the stage for Peter. Because if you actually continue reading in Acts 2, this is where Peter gets up because... People are going, man, are these guys drunk? What's going on? They were hearing the things of God being proclaimed in their own tongue. So Peter stands up and says, hey, guys, this is what was prophesied in Joel. And he, tar- he explains who Jesus was, and then the- he lets them know. He drops the bomb. He's like, whom you crucified? Oops. You crucified the Messiah. You need to repent and believe. Be baptized and receive the promise of the Holy Spirit. 
3,000 came to the Lord. But it was the supernatural that got people's attention. It was the supernatural that everyone was like, what is going on? And then when Peter stood up, they're like, I think I need to hear this guy out. The supernatural set the stage for Peter. So the gospel can be preached. Let me give you another example. I'm only going to do two. In Acts 3, just one chapter over, verses 2 through 9, and it says, A man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. I'm going to pause right there. This guy's lame from birth. Chapter 4 tells you he is 40 years old. He was carried every day to the temple. I'm going to put this question out there just to make you go, hmm, how many times did Jesus pass this guy? He was there every day. Jesus must have passed this guy every time he went to the temple or hung out around the temple. Because Jesus knew there was going to be a purpose for this guy. No, it's not your time yet. I've got a purpose for this. So seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and he said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. He's like, cha-ching, this is going to be great. Must have been real disappointing when Peter said, I have no silver and gold. But what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand, and he raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk. And he entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God, and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they, will, they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. So everyone in the area knew who this guy was. And they were watching him leaping and jumping. They're like, this guy is walking. And again, if you keep reading, Peter stands up and says, this man was healed by Jesus Christ, not us. He didn't go, look what I did, guys. Check it. No, he, he said, this man was healed by Jesus Christ, and he presented the gospel, and he dropped the bomb again, saying, whom you crucified. And he presented the gospel. It set the stage. Everyone's attention was grabbed with the supernatural. They're like, what is going on? So those supernatural gifts that take place, it gets people's attention. So that you can point them to Jesus. That's what the Holy Spirit does anyways. He points everyone to Jesus. That's his job. And he'll use the supernatural to do it. To get people's attention so that the word of God can be preached. Because that's how faith comes. It comes from the preaching of the gospel. That's what that means in the word. You get faith by hearing the word. It's talking about the gospel. That's where faith comes. That's where lost sinners go 
The light bulb comes on when the gospel is preached. Faith enters people's hearts. A supernatural gets the attention. And many times as you read through the book of Acts, you see that something supernatural takes place and an apostle will stand up and deliver the gospel. How many times have we heard testimony from Pastor Otis? I was just at a restaurant, felt like the word of the Lord came to me, and then revival broke out. You know, <laughs> how many times? Like, for him, that's his gift. He's gifted in the prophetic and words of knowledge. And he'll read people's mail all the time. Like, I was just at the restaurant, and the waiter, I just felt like I needed to say this. She started crying. God started moving. We started praying. Well, it gets their, their attention. I tell you what, when you have the gift of prophecy and words of knowledge, you're going to get someone's attention when you read their mail. When you say, I feel like this is going on. And they're going, you don't even know me. How did you know that? Well, I, I feel like I should just listen to what you have to say. <laughs> right? Supernatural gets people's attention. I have a cousin named Lance. He's a director in Spain for Impact Spain, for YWAM. Now, his uncle is the director of the Disciple Training Center in Spain. So our uncle uh, is in Spain, and he runs the DTC there. When Lance was young, he grew up in Ocala. When Lance was young, the uncle said, hey, you should come to Spain for six months. He wrestled with it for a while, but he finally said, okay, I'll go to Spain for six months, do the DTC. But why he was there, he's from Ocala. He doesn't know Spanish. He was there. I don't know how long he was there for, but he was in a service. He went up for prayer. And as he was being prayed for, he went into the service not knowing Spanish. But as he was being prayed for, the Holy Spirit came on him. Not only did he start understanding what was being prayed for, he could speak fluently. He left the service fluent in Spanish, supernaturally. That's empowerment to witness. He, he got the hint that he should stay in Spain. He's been there for many years. He's doing great things in YWAM. In fact, he's, in, he's been in the States for a while, helping with the send and the call to all Heading up the Spanish-speaking part of that, his team. I mean, doing awesome stuff. But he was empowered to reach these people group supernaturally. God can do those things. God does those things today still. He uses the supernatural so that we can be a witness. And I don't know about you, but I pray that the supernatural will break out in our lives through the power of the Holy Spirit. But that's not all. The Holy Spirit's power also gives you boldness. Boldness. So let me uh, set this stage up for this next passage. Lame man gets healed. Peter starts preaching. They get arrested. Spend a night in jail. Get stood up before the Sanhedrin and told, you need to stop preaching in Jesus' name. And they said, with all due respect... What's more important, obeying God or you? I think we're going to obey God. They were told not to do it anymore. 
and they left. And when they left, immediately they went to the other brothers and said, we need to have a prayer meeting. And they started praying. And in this prayer, I'm just going to give you a snippet of it in Acts 4, uh, verse 29 and 31. It says, and now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. While you stretch out your hand to heal, and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. So they're not just asking for boldness. They also ask for miraculous signs and wonders and healing. And when they prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Now this, this word, filled with the Holy Spirit, is the exact same thing in Acts 2. It's synonymous. It's the exact same term, filled with the Holy Spirit. In other words, they were baptized again in Acts 4. We need to be baptized often, daily. We need the Holy Spirit to come on us and pour over us every day so that we can follow him and be his witness. So in Acts 4, they were praying again. Give us boldness. Yes, we want to see signs, but now they're breathing threats on us. Persecution is breaking out. We need boldness to continue standing for truth. We need boldness to continue preaching your gospel despite of their threats. Holy Spirit, give us the boldness. And it was poured out. They were baptized again, and they were filled with boldness. The Holy Spirit gives us boldness to be a witness. We need boldness when persecution begins to rise. We need boldness to withstand rejection because no one likes rejection. Nobody. We need boldness to speak truth. Because I don't know about you, but uh, the times we live in, truth is not popular right now. It's not the popular thing. We need boldness to stand up for truth. With some of the stuff that's going around in our country, I mean, people have lost their businesses for standing up for convictions. I heard of a testimony in Chicago where a guy that's been there since 1980 with his business lost his business because he was standing up for his convictions. The rioters destroyed the place. We live in a time where that's not far-fetched. Yes, we still have freedom to speak, but people are still will come against us. We're not that far off from persecution, heavy persecution. Truth is not popular right now. We need boldness to keep standing. But we need to speak truth in love. I want to emphasize this. Yes, we need boldness but we need to do it in a way that the hearers can receive. How we stay, say things is just as important as what we say. It's just as important. Because you can speak truth and say it wrong and be wrong because you said it in a way that they can't receive. You said it with a pride or an attitude or an anger that shouldn't have been there. Needs to be seasoned with love and gentleness. So you can speak truth, but if no one's willing to hear you because how you say it, you're wrong. 
We need the Holy Spirit to give us boldness, but we also need the Holy Spirit to show us how to say it. In Matthew 10, 19, he said this to his disciples, Jesus, because he let them know, when you are arrested, he didn't say if you get arrested, he says, when you are arrested, just, just letting you know, Jesus talked about these things. When you are arrest, arrested, he said, don't worry about how to respond or what to say. God will give you the right words at the right time. Jesus lets us know, hey, when persecution starts arising, I will give you the how, what, and when to say it. Man, we're covered if we stay in step with the Holy Spirit. He'll give us the how, when, and what. Kind of boldness with character, but I'm getting ahead of myself. God will give us the what to say. I don't know about you, but when I first got saved and filled with the Holy Spirit, I really wasn't worried about my friends and what they would think. I was just so excited about Jesus. I was saved November 3rd, 1996. I'm young compared to some. Old compared to others. <laughs> but November 3rd, 1996 is when I got saved. And that's when I encountered God in a way that transformed my life. I was a church kid. I grew up in church. I was there every Wednesday night, every Sunday school, every Sunday service, Sunday night service. The, the normal routine was get to church, do Sunday school, do Sunday service, go eat lunch, take a nap, head back to church for Sunday night. That was just the way it was. Sports never got in the way with it. In fact, my parents went out of their way to find sports that would not play on Wednesday night or Sundays. If they did, you're not doing that sport. Sorry, kiddo. I was fine. I wasn't. I know it's hard to tell. I wasn't athletic. <laughs> I don't know. It wasn't my thing. But for my parents, that's just the way it is. Church is priority. We were there every work day. I mean, we were in church. If I came in and said, Mom, I don't feel good, she'd be like, puke and prove it. And if I did, she'd be like, don't you feel better? Let's go to church. <laughs> right? That's just the way it was. So I, I thought November 3rd was going to be just another Sunday. The only difference is I actually got a friend to come with me that Sunday. In our church, we had a basement because I'm from up north. We got basements up there. And in that basement was a fellowship hall with several rules with those moving walls to divide it. And we were in a little section of this basement, just the youth group. It was Sunday school youth group. Uh, that was, it was just, and you know you're in a small church when only four of them are not related to you. Most of them were my cousins. And most of them were, were girls, so not a great place to pick up chicks for me. I mean, it was all my cousins. <laughs> but we were in this little cubicle. I did not know at this time that our Sunday school teachers actually got back from a little place called Brownsville Revival. And Brownsville Assembly of in Pensacola, Florida. And they had a videotape, a VHS. Kids, if you don't know what a VHS is, go to the thrift store. There's a whole section of VHS tapes still, still there. And we had one of those carts that had the big tube TV strapped to it so it didn't kill anybody, right? Because one of those fall on you, 
you're, you're going to be hurt. It's just the way it is. You have a TV falling you now, and you just go, oh, man, I broke the TV. <laughs> and that, I broke my arm. And she just had that, and she just said, we're going to watch a video this morning. And she threw it in, and, and there's a video called, uh, and you can Google it, it's on YouTube. I watched it this past few weeks just to refresh the memory of the testimonies. It was a testimony, a song, and a testimony. The first testimony was Amy Elizabeth Ward, and then the song was Mercy Seat, and then the sister, Allison Ward. And you can, that's how it's, you just type in Brownsville Revival, and it's one of the first ones that pops up. And I was listening, we were listening to this girl and this encounter that she had with God during the revival, and what God was speaking to her, and then the song, and then, then Allison Ward came on, and she was heavy under the spirit, manifesting. And she was talking about how, how grieved God is over the lost. And how that sometimes the Lord would just give her the burden and the pain and the grief that he feels over the lost. And the Holy Spirit started moving on the video. And, and you could hear, to me, it's the sound of revival, of travail break out in the audience as they interceded for the lost. She, uh, she shut the tape off and turned around and said, God's here. There was no music. There was no hype. It was just as simple as, boop, God's here. Just like that. And the Holy Spirit moved into that place. It was like a wave. The first row, like, exploded. They were out. The second row started shaking under the power of God. And us three men in the back just wept and wept and wept. I didn't know it at the time, but my friend that came with me, he was like, man, I was high that morning. I got high every morning. He goes, and when that Holy Spirit hit me, I sobered up just like that. It, it was so powerful that the pastor was like, we need to go downstairs. Something's going on. And that's what we did. There was adults and everything just laying out in the hallway for hours. We were there until 1, 2 in the afternoon. And, boy, we went home, ate lunch, and couldn't wait to get back. And that was my Sunday that Sunday. God was moving. God stepped out. But I had a dilemma what do I do with this now? Come Monday morning when I'm sitting with the guys at the lunch table. Well, I made a choice. I was like, well, this could end some friendships, but we'll see. I made a choice to tell them I had an encounter with God. And my request at that time, because I was trying to just live right, I was like, I would appreciate it if, like, the dirty jokes, just don't tell them around me anymore. And if you just not cuss around me, because I really don't want that in my ears. And I, and I told him, I was like, and if, if that's too much, I get it. I understand. I'll go sit by myself. I'm good. But instead of rejection that day, that whole table said, we're cool. That's fine with us. 
And in my high school, I ended up with favor. My friend, he lost all of his friends. But I ended up with favor with people. In fact, there was people in my life that they told me, I asked after high school, I was like, why, why did you let me hang out with you? Because they wouldn't let other Christians hang out with them. They said, because we knew you really believed. I had the boldness to stand up. And to speak truth and love. And there's many times through high school where it was just me in the classroom standing up for truth. The Holy Spirit gives us boldness. The Holy Spirit also, this is the last one. We're getting there, aren't we? Trying to pay attention to the time. The Holy Spirit also... Holy Spirit's power produces character. In Galatians 5, through 25, we all know it probably, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. And if you read that in context, he talks about this war that goes on between our flesh and the Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit to produce character in us. We need, we need the Holy Spirit not just in us, but all over us. Because I don't know about you, but i got some real character issues that I need the Holy Spirit to really work on. And I need His power to do that. It's not enough just to have boldness and and to speak, you need the character to go with it. It's not about what we say. It's also about how we say it. But I'm going to also add this. It's also how we live it. People don't want to hear a hypocrite. People don't want to hear that. How you live can make or break your witness. What kind of lifestyles you have and what you got going on in your world can make or break your witness. Because honestly, if the world looks at you and go, I'm doing all that, what's, what's the big deal? There was nothing different. We are called to be separate and different from the rest of the world. And that's not going to happen in our own power. We need the Holy Spirit's power to do it. The Holy Spirit gives us freedom to live the way Jesus lived. It's not just freedom from sin, you know, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. No, it's the freedom to live how we ought. It's the freedom to live differently. Without it, we just keep living the same. We need the Holy Spirit's work to live differently. And right now, I would say the world needs some of the same, something they don't need more of the same. They need something different. They need to see a church that is united, full of the Holy Spirit, and the fruit it produces. This world needs to see people that truly love. The Bible says we will be known by our love. They need to see that. They need to see a people that will love the unlovable with a God kind of love, that unconditional kind of love. Not the love that is going to pass a judgment, but despite of their lifestyles, despite of where they're at. No, I'm going to love you, just who you are. 
I'm just going to love you. That doesn't mean we accept everything they do. That's not what love, love does have standards. Read Romans. It has some standards. Romans 12 talks about love has some standards. It hates what is evil and clings to what is good. That's standards. But it still loves. It says, you know what? I see where you're at. I'm going to love you the way Jesus loves you. Because Jesus saw where I was at, and he still went to the cross. He still loved me despite of where I was at. The world needs to see that kind of love. That kind of love needs to be produced in our lives through the Holy Spirit. The world needs to know that there's people full of the Spirit that loves them. Love that can give kindness and patience and gentleness and self-control. Man, wouldn't we do some good if that was happening in our country right now? A little love, some gentleness, kindness, some patience. Boy, it would change everything, wouldn't it? They need to see a faithful people. They need to see a people with joy when it seems like there is nothing to be joyful about. See, that joy is not a happenstance. It's something the Holy Spirit produces because we have the hope of Christ in us. No matter what's going on around us, we can look up and go, it's just going to be light momentary afflictions compared to what you're going to do later. And we can have joy over it. <laughs> the world needs to see a people full of peace. So what's these jars about? I don't know. I just thought it'd be fun. No, I'm just kidding. These jars have the exact same dirt, exact same water in them. There's nothing different about the dirt and the water. But you can see this one, that's gross still. It was gross when I brought it in. This one right here, though, you can already see it settled. It's a little cloudy, but it has settled. It's all at the bottom. The only difference with this jar is it was shaken and ran under the faucet. And all the impurities was coming out of it. And then when the water cleared up, I shook it again and ran it under my faucet until it cleared up again and got all the impurities out of it. But look how quick it settles. When the Holy Spirit's in our lives, it's like being ran under the faucet. And a shaking may come. But you will settle quickly because you've been under the faucet of the Holy Spirit. And, and God's been working out all these little impurities and producing some things in your life. We may be shaken, guys. There's some things going on in this world that we are going to be shaken with. But you get underneath the faucet of the Holy Spirit and you let him settle you with that peace that passes all understanding. The Holy Spirit empowers us to produce character and peace. We don't have to react like everyone else is. We can step back, let the Holy Spirit flow over us, get underneath the faucet of the Holy Spirit, and let him settle you. Sure, you can be shaken. But when you've been with the Holy Spirit, you settle quickly. You settle quickly. 
let the Holy Spirit take all the stuff and settle you and produce that character because the world needs to see it. You want to be a witness? The world needs to see something different. The world doesn't need to see Facebook posts against their positions. The world needs to see someone rise up with the character of God, with the love of God, with that joy and that peace and that patience and that gentleness. People need some gentleness right now. They need to hear that truth with gentleness right now, which is how the Bible tells us to always deliver truth, with gentleness. We need the Holy Spirit so that we can be an effective witness.